Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Pocono Mountains Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jim Hamill. Previously, we learned all about Jim Thorpe, the town, as well as the man from people who know them well. Now, we'll have a chance to learn about the town affectionately known as the Gateway to the Poconos, Stroudsburg. And the town is located right in the heart of the Poconos, just off Interstate 80 and near the Delaware River. The Poconos is a year-round destination for millions, and with 2,400 square miles of mountains, forests, lakes, and rivers, with historic downtowns and iconic family resorts, it's the perfect getaway for a weekend or an entire week. You can always find out more at PoconoMountains.com or watch Pocono Television Network streaming live 24-7. First on this episode, Brianna sits down with Stroudsburg Mayor Tara Probst, who has been instrumental in helping the downtown grow and reinvent itself. Mayor Probst and Brianna met in Stroud Mansion to discuss the past, present, and future of Stroudsburg. Thanks for listening to Pocono Mountains Podcast. We will have a new episode each week highlighting lots of the fun things you can experience while you're visiting the Poconos here in Pennsylvania in any season, winter, spring, summer, or fall. Now, Brianna and Mayor Probst from an episode of Pocono Perspectives. Welcome to Pocono Perspectives. I'm Brianna at the historic Stroud Mansion with Stroudsburg's Mayor Tara Probst, and today, we're talking all about Stroudsburg. Thanks for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me here. It's so exciting to be able to do this. Let's start at the very beginning with Stroudsburg's history. Sure. The first settlers were here in the early 1700s, and um, they came from upstate New York. And um, Jacob Stroud, who you know is ultimately the founder of Stroudsburg, his family moved here. And his second oldest son, um, Daniel, he had asked him to move in the mansion where we're sitting right now so that he could help him build the town of Stroudsburg. So it's pretty exciting. Um, February 5th, 1815, Stroudsburg was officially incorporated. So we celebrated 200 years in 2015. And in those 200 years, I was honored to be the first female mayor elected and then reelected. So it's pretty much an honor for me to say that. Really is a big honor. And when people come downtown Stroudsburg, they can still see a lot of those historic structures still yeah, standing today. They can, and um, well, we're in one of them. There's been a little, you know, minimal changes to the front and maybe side of the building, but as you can see from the floors and the fireplaces and everything that it's pretty true to form. Um, in the Hill District we have, which is where um, our residential houses are, um, for example, my house was built in 1892 and I traced the deed back and uh, it, was, it was in script. It's in volume two in the courthouse. It's just so cool to know that these houses and these structures are still here. And, and th that's the thing. It seems like back then people took pride in what they did and built and they were built to last. And so there's many, many beautiful buildings. Um, one of them being the J.J. Uh, Newberry, which was the first you know, department store, it's now Renegade Winery. Um, around Courthouse Square where Tolino Vineyards is, for example, um, they're all original. Um, the jail across the street from Tolino Vineyards and um, that was pre-Civil War jail and still standing there structurally fine. Um, when they say Courthouse Square, even though it's a circle, at one point it was a square, I've seen those pictures. Um, but even the courthouse, the main part of it is still 
you know, the same facade and, and the same structure. Um, going down Main Street, when you look at buildings like the Apple Tree, I mean, how beautiful is, you know, they make sure the flowers are all in the windows. And it's just a really lovely, charming town. And I'm proud to be mayor of this borough. And at any point, did Stroudsburg undergo a revitalization? Well, I think every town um, always goes through revitalization periods. I mean, you know, this was um, the county seat, number one. So this is where all the business took place with the courthouse and everything else since, you know, 1815, really. But even in my time, I remember when the mall was built. And, uh, you know, prior to the mall, every bit of shopping was done on this main street from your school clothes to my doctor's office, just everything. And um, so you go through periods, the malls, the, you know, the outlets and the strip malls. It always takes away from a downtown. And of course, now we have that big major, you know, online Amazon problem. But I will say for Stroudsburg's benefit is that the town is resilient and it's beautiful. And we constantly are reinventing ourselves while keeping the historic charm. And we're better now than um, ever, at least in the last uh, 20 years. Um, we have some building projects that are going on. We are, um, I mean, we're just doing so much from being green with solar trash cans. Um, I, you know, it might not sound like a big deal, but it really truly is. Um, just making sure our town always has the um, historic presence, but also we need to move forward to the future while keeping that. So we're moving forward, but still keeping the feel of an old charming town. And is Stroudsburg a great place for people to visit? I have to say we're big with tourism, of course. I mean, we have we have people from all over Monroe County. When that train comes back, which that's always my goal to get that train to come back, I say look out. So, um, but as for our downtown, yeah, we have everything you need from a tailor to uh, someone to do your hair from a winery to food, clothing, dental offices, a YMCA, I mean, the list goes on a bookstore. Anything you need, you can find in our borough. And it's a beautiful, walkable downtown. We have all these yeah. unique shops and these restaurants and these bars. There really is something for everyone. There is, and there's more to come. We are going to preserve what we have and move into the future, so. And in recent years, Stroudsburg has had new wineries, breweries, distilleries come to town, and it really just brings a new crowd downtown. It does, and you know, it, the, the beauty of it is, when you think about it, we have, you know, when I was growing up, you'd hear people come in and say, oh, there's not enough culture, or, and, and I agree, growing up, you know, we had like one Japanese restaurant, for example. Um, but now, fast forward from, I mean, from Thai, you know, Portuguese, French, I mean, you name it, we have it on Main Street or in this borough. And um, we have five art galleries. Um, you know, we have the wineries. Now there's going to be a distillery coming in. I don't know if you know about that. It, the windows are wrapped right now, but we're going to be having a new distillery as well. And um, it's just food and drink and restaurants and art galleries and shops and a walkable downtown and cafes, you know. The Courthouse Square is one of my favorite areas. So, um, and now we have the ice skating rink too this winter, which is nice. And we have a lot of festivals, Winterfest, Stroudfest. There's always something going on in Stroudsburg there, that's family friendly. And, and you know, the Sherman Theater is really a huge, huge help with that because um, they, I mean, that's a historic building, number one. They bring in great acts and great shows and they kept it true to that theater, which, uh, you know, it always was. And um, 
they always have something, whether it's a concert, a show, a festival, they've got something going on once or twice or three times a month, which really helps the downtown. And with the Penn Stroud reopening, it's great to have that downtown hotel again. So um, yeah, it's really, it's all good news. It really is. And Winterfest is huge. So we're gonna have more than 40 ice sculptures. And then that takes us into Art Walk Saturdays, first Saturdays. Um, and then we go into Halloween on Main. I mean, there's 2,000 kids and families with businesses all supporting and handing out candy. Um, we have massive St. Patrick's Day Parade, which is always a really good time. Um, the Christmas tree lighting grows every year. So really, really lovely events. And Courthouse Square, when you're there on Black Friday and then Small Business Saturday, of course, is the next day. And you see these old charming buildings and a town just packed. It's like something out of a wonderful life. So it really makes you proud. It makes me proud. I'm very proud of this area. I'm very proud of our residents. I'm so proud of our businesses and our business owners that really go to work every day. They work really hard to give everybody a good experience. And I do believe that with the way things are going and the change of times, that people are starting to come back to town, starting to spend locally, starting to realize that if I don't go and support my local shopkeepers, then there might not be a downtown. And I love my downtown, so I'm gonna do that. And um, that seems to be happening. I think that's a trend. But if you were to drive through Pennsylvania and surrounding states and saw all the little towns, I would be hard pressed to say that we, we would definitely be in the top 10. It's that great of a town. And I'm proud to be from here. I'm proud to be the mayor of uh, this wonderful place. And um, we're gonna keep, you know, I'm gonna do everything I can to promote it. And you've invested a lot in Stroudsburg as mayor and opening up your own mm -hmm. business. Like yeah. you said, you really believe in Stroudsburg. So I thought to myself, because I'm from here, but then I was away for 22 years and I moved back in 2010. But my family always stayed here. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, if I win this, it's going to be my full-time job. So after I won, I left corporate America and immediately invested in the downtown and, and opened up a small business, um, which is still standing there today. It was turnkey. Um, the Renegade Winery bought it. It's still the charcuterie. It's a great place. And I'm proud of that because it was. I put my heart and soul into saying, I believe in this town and so should you. And I think it really, really paid off because it started a little domino effect. Um, but yeah, I'm not gonna attach my name to anything that I'm not gonna give 100% to. So whether it's this town, family, friends, if my name's on it, you have 100% of me. So um, we are really doing all we can. And Stroudsburg Borough, our borough council, we're, we're all on the same page. It's so great to go to work and everybody wants to just keep getting things done and moving forward and, um, and that's what we're doing. Where do you see Stroudsburg in the future? Um, I see it better than ever. What we've done over the last four years and what we plan to do, um, is it's gonna be amazing. You're gonna see more places to live, more buildings, new apartments, um, walkable downtown, um, bike lanes. You're gonna see it be so much, it's user-friendly now, but you're gonna see it be you know even more user-friendly. And I truly believe that the Poconos and the surrounding areas, it's gonna make a comeback. The market is coming back, people are gonna move back, and you know, the one solid key to the success of all of Monroe County, including Stroudsburg, to make it the best it can be, is getting a train going again. 
And that could happen. It's happened in New Jersey. Um, it's happening 19 miles away from us. So there's no reason why we can't make that connection again. And when we do, this is going to be the place to live. You are 70 miles from the best city in the world, New York City. But I'd like to say we're the best town in the world, Stroudsburg. <laughs> A lot of great things happening in Stroudsburg. Thank you. Mayor Tara Probst, thanks Thank so you. much for joining us oh, today. Thanks for having me. It was really great to be here. I appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for watching this edition of Pocono Perspectives. We'll see you soon. Mayor Probst is such a big fan of Stroudsburg. You can really tell. Thanks to her and Brianna for that in-depth look at such a charming town in close proximity to all the fun and exciting things happening in the Pocono Mountains. Thanks again for listening to Pocono Mountains Podcast. You can subscribe to us anywhere podcasts are available. For more information, just head to PoconoMountains.com. Now for a message from Chris Barrett. From birds to birdies, nature and golf go hand in hand in the Pocono Mountains. Tee off across the region and save by purchasing a golf around card and play twice at participating courses for just $30 per round, card included. Find out more information at PoconoMountains.com. Hey, we're back. I'm Jim Hamill. Now that we know more about Stroudsburg, we're going to join Chris Barrett and Dr. Larry Squarey for a history lesson on the Poconos. The two sat down together at Kalahari Resorts and Conventions going over the birth of the Poconos as it was developed over centuries, including the westward expansion and what led to the modern-day destination for many looking to get away from New York and other regions. If you're a student of history like Chris, you're going to really enjoy this chat from another episode of Pocono Perspectives. Hi folks, the show is Pocono Perspectives. Thanks for being with us again. We're so happy to have you. And we have a special guest today, somebody who's gonna tell us a lot about the history of the Poconos. And the book is Better in the Poconos. And uh, it's written by Larry Squarey. So we're speaking to Larry just a little bit uh, before we came here. Larry, it's great to have you. Thanks for, for your time. I'm pleased to be here. And uh, I wanted to just, you know, the, the Poconos is so much and so vast and there's so much history. So if we want to understand that, where, where do we start? Where did you start when you wrote this book? Well, the beginning would be the 18th century and um, gets to the concept of the Wild West. What do you think of when we say the Wild West? You know, John Wayne, Clint Eastwood, mm -hmm. where? Montana, well, all Colorado? Out west, all out west. Well, the West is a function of time. In the 18th century, the Wild West was the Poconos. Wow. You had Indian Wars, settlers, all the stuff that you usually see in the movies but taking place somewhere in Wyoming. And that's where I really start the book, with the 18th century and uh, the Indian Wars and, and all that. So what struck you about <clears throat> talking about the Indian Wars um, what struck you first? I know that Pocono is a Native American name, right? Yes. What struck me is, like everywhere else, the Indians lose out and get driven further west. And by the end of the revolution, they are gone, and which means settlers can come in. 
because prior to then there were very few people here. But after 1800, you start getting settlers like Pennsylvania Dutch farmers in the West End. But the area is still uh, wild. Uh, you had urban hunters and fishermen coming here in the early decades of the 19th century. But you don't have a resort economy yet. And, and how did that start? What were the early beginnings of that resort economy? One word, transportation, transportation, transportation. Yes, people did come here before the railroad because the place was out of the way and the big attraction was the gap at Delaware Water Gap. And it did attract the artists, painters, but somehow it never got the attention that the Hudson River Valley got. So what really put the Poconos on the map as a vacation area was the railroads. Because you have to understand that before the railroad, transportation was very difficult. For example, it took several days to reach the Poconos from Philadelphia by stagecoach. We're talking several days. Uh, and actually, the resort era doesn't begin in Stroudsburg or Monroe County, but in Milford because of the Erie Railroad, which never stopped in the Poconos. It stopped at Port Jervis. So Milford is, being the uh, upper northern part of the Poconos. Yes. And Port Jervis is in New York State on the other side of the Delaware River. But in the 1840s, the Erie is there connecting New York City to upstate New York. People can get off at the Port Jervis station, get on the stagecoach to Milford. So actually, uh, the resort business really begins in Milford. It doesn't really come to uh, Monroe County until the Lackawanna Railroad, the Delaware, Lackawanna, and Western Railroad was laid out in the late 1850s. Nothing to do with passenger traffic, laid out to connect the coal fields of Scranton and Wilkes-Barre, et cetera, et cetera, with New York City. Passenger service was secondary, but the railroad did go through Monroe County and it stopped at Delaware Water Gap and Stroudsburg. And, well, then comes the Civil War and everything is on hold. But after the Civil War, vacation is realized that in four or five hours, they can reach Delaware Water Gap. And Delaware Water Gap is really where the big time resort economy begins. Why? Because of the railroad. Transportation, even today, transportation is everything. So getting out of the cities yes. and making that four to five hour trip, what was the reason that people wanted to Oh, many to reasons. One is, do you realize how much city, cities used to stink way back then, before you have sewers? Sanitation. Sanitation, even something we take so much for granted, the bath, the commode and all that, doesn't really come into being till after the Civil War, uh, garbage collection. Cities really stank. And it was also believed, erroneously, that bad odors could cause disease. Now, 
we know it's not the odor, it's the cause of the odor. <laughs> but one of the attractions of going to the country was to escape uh, the stink, the squalor of the city. Also, way back then, the whole family would go to the country. Quite often, dad would continue to work in the city and come out on weekends, but mother and the children would spend the entire summer in the country. Were they more affluent? Was it more middle class? Oh, we're talking middle class. So upper middle class, because they had middle, a... Now, the super rich really didn't come to the Poconos. They went to places like Newport. The Hamptons, right? Yes. Uh, today, you notice you don't have those beautiful, super luxury mansions here in the Poconos. It wasn't the super rich who came here. It was the middle class, the upper middle class, not the super rich. And uh, they start coming in great numbers after the Civil War. Why Delaware Water Gap? Well, the railroad stopped there, but also it's compact, it's scenic, and also the attractions of the Delaware River. You can go boating, swimming, and fishing. Uh, you might say, why not lakes? Well, many of your country lakes way back then were used for ice. See, you don't have ice refrigerators. So they would ice up in the winter and then Farmers, as a sideline, because you can't farm in the winter, would cut up the ice in blocks, put it in storerooms, and then it would be shipped by railroad to the cities. And that was a great side income for farmers, the ice business. And it continued until uh, it, technology and advances in refrigeration made it unnecessary but also the means that people would not be using lakes for recreation. Because after all, if you're an urban person, you don't want to think that that ice you're using is where, you know, right. mm -hmm. you, you know what I mean. So the, so after the, this is the, during the Civil War and right after that time period. Yeah. So when did the resorts like Kittatinny or Mount Airy, I guess, without those, those, all those eras of resorts, okay. how did that start? Okay. How did, the first of the big-time resorts is the Kittatinny, started in 1829, uh, basically catering to two clientels. One, hunters and fishermen who would come here to do their thing, and also rafters. You might say, who are rafters? Well, farmers would also supplement income by lumbering, cutting trees, and then in the spring, they would tie the trees into rafts and raft down the Delaware to Philadelphia and then disassemble the raft and sell the lumber. And then coming back, you either take the stagecoach or save money by walking. Well, rafters had to stop at night. The Kittatinny, which construction began in 1829, uh, would cater to the rafters in the spring and during the summer to the hunters and the fishermen. And occasionally you do have families who would come up. Plus you also have farmers boarding houses. This is also big after the Civil War. You see 
Farming's not productive in the Poconos. Uh, the soil, ever try to have a garden? It is tougher here, much so. A lot of farmers realize that um, farming's not very productive, especially once the railroads start bringing in food from the Midwest. So some have realized that money could be made by taking in city borders. Okay, like uh, the lower middle class. People who may not be able to afford the fancy place like the Kittatinny, but might be looking for a rural vacation. So the concept of Airbnbs and renting a, a, a room in your house isn't a new concept. No, it's not a new concept. And some, the way it worked, some farmers would continue to farm and the wife would basically cater to the boarders. You could have four, five, and some of them ended up giving up farming altogether and becoming full-time uh, boarding houses, maybe 10, 15, 20 rooms. And as, as we continue through the 1850s and, and get towards the end of that, of that century, is sanitation in the city, still wanting to get out of the city, a big issue? I remember reading in, the, in your book about the Quakers also liking the region, um, being quiet and unassuming, upper middle class, but not wanting to flaunt their wealth, yes. but still liking the region. So all those kind of things were happening too at the same time? Well, the Quakers uh, really don't come till after 1900. Uh, they did come as individuals, but the Quaker resorts, and the two big ones were Pocono Manor, which still exists, but no longer Quaker. And the second one was uh, Buck, Buck Hill, Hill, which is closed down. Right. Uh, want me to talk about the Quakers? Because they are fascinating. Yes, please. Okay. Please. The Quakers, they develop a lifestyle in which you have money, but you don't flaunt it. And this is one of the reasons they created their own resorts. Because if they went elsewhere, they'd be uncomfortable with the person who must tell you how he makes his money. The Quakers decided to create their own resorts. And between 1900 and 1910, we have Pocono Manor and Buck Hill Falls. You might say, why two? Well, there were two branches of the Quaker religion by this time. Buck Hill is by the Hicksites, and the Orthodox Quakers created Pocono Manor. And the library still exists in Buck, near Buck Hill, yes. I think. Is it, they that, created it. And there's still some things surviving today related yes. to that period, besides Pocono Manor. Now, of course, the Buck Hill Inn is no longer with us, but Pocono Manor obviously is. Yes. Um, so just naming those two things, if we can jump just a little bit ahead um, to, you know, now we're in the 1900s, a little bit more, so couples resorts. Yeah, oh, um, How neat. did we get to, the, okay. to that period, too? For more than a century, the Poconos have been the center of a thriving resort industry, catering to families, married couples, young singles, and honeymoon couples. Here in this beautiful mountain resort area, the Pocono visitor will find magnificent hotels that are like castles in the sky, charming lake resorts, cozy inns, lodges, luxury housekeeping cottages, rustic lakeside cabins, and smart motels with every modern convenience. After World War II, some shrewd entrepreneurs realized that a lot of people now have money for honeymoons. And the big gimmick of the of the honeymoon resort was everybody there is having a honeymoon. See, prior to that, 
Honeymooners would go to regular resorts and maybe would stick out. Also, you have to understand that people married young. I mean, your typical bride's 18 or 19, and the groom may have been 20, and they may have felt out of place uh, going to a resort where you had all ages and all that. You go to a honeymoon resort, everyone's your age. And the concept really took off. And by the 50s, the Poconos are known as the place for honeymoons, I think like 2,000 a week. 2,000 honeymooners a week. And really, it put the Poconos on the map because the Poconos always had to compete with the Catskills and with other areas. It was never a major area, but the honeymoon resorts allowed it to really compete with Niagara Falls. So if you had to point to a family or a corporation or, or someone who actually brought that idea to life, who would you, who would you research point to? Well, Morris Wilkins, he did not originate the concept, but he came up with the heart-shaped bathtub. Now, he takes credit for Maybe it's not him, but he is, tends to be associated with it because I realize more than one person claims to have invented it. But Morris Wilkins, not only the heart-shaped bathtub, and he said after a while that became passe, and so the champagne glass, which is like two stories high, champagne and it's shaped like a champagne, and it's really like a whirlpool of sorts, so as, as that was created, it declined. And um, what do you attribute that decline or change to in the next evolution? The Poconos keep on reinventing themselves. We can begin with skiing. Now, skiing did not come sooner because, as we know, it doesn't snow that much in the Poconos. But by the 1960s, the process of creating artificial snow as long as the temperature falls below freezing, was perfected. And it was a brilliant masterstroke, and it's a good case of reinvention. And even in the case of Camelback, where you have a ski resort, yeah. an indoor water park, yes. and a resort, and then of course you have snow tubing. Yes. It's just evolved. Just versus evolved. What it, versus what it had been before. You're a retired professor, correct? Yes. Um, what did you teach at ESU? History. History. What types of class? Well, uh, it was mostly world civilization. I did Italian history and Russian history. I started off in European history. So how did I end up doing a how, history of the Poconos? the Poconos? Well, to do research in non-American history, you have to go to that country of origin. So here I am at East Stroudsburg University looking for a topic that's local. And I realized no one had done a history of the Poconos with the emphasis on the resorts, which were the dominant industry of the last 150 years. And most of the research I could do uh, without taking a trip. Uh, most, a good deal of the information was in old newspapers on microfilm at the East Stroudsburg Library, I would go between classes. So it gave you time for research. So I spent a lot of time in that library just going through old newspapers, looking for references to the resorts or whatever. The Monroe County Historical Association has all sorts of odds and ends. Very, very good. Very, very good. good. Very good.
causes you to look into crystal ball a little bit. What do you think is the next evolution for the Pocono? First and foremost, people have to get tired of what is now cutting edge, the indoor water park. Kalahari and Great Wolf and all of them are not passe. So I think we're leaving the future just where it is, right, in the future. Happy to have uh, Larry Square here. The book is Better in the Poconos. I'm Chris Barrett for Pocono Perspectives. We thank you so much for being here. Look for us in the future. We really hope you enjoyed Pocono Mountains podcast. The Poconos has certainly reinvented itself over the years and continues to do so, making the visitor experience better all the time. Next time, we'll visit another historic town in the northern part of the Poconos, Milford. Please remember to subscribe to Pocono Mountains podcast anywhere podcasts are available. And please come visit us in the Pocono Mountains. Plan your trip today.